The Law Report with Tyrone Key. And a very good evening to you from tonight's Law Report programme. Well, this evening we're focusing once again on property law and joining me in our Cape Town studios this evening is our regular property law attorney, Marlon Chevalu, who practices as Marlon Chevalu and Associates here in Cape Town. Marlon, good evening. Welcome back to the show. We missed you last month. I missed you too, Corin, but I think we had a very able replacement. Yes, so. we did, but it's nice to have you back in the studio. Indeed, the seat is nice and warm. And a reminder that if you need any information regarding the Law Report, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to Law on SAFM. There's also a link there on the Facebook page if you'd like to download the podcast of the show. If you'd still like to contact me directly, you can email me on law at safm.co.za. So if you have any questions or comments for us, you can call us now on 0892 10 2010. The National Arts Festival in Grahamstown runs from the 27th of June to the 7th of July. The biggest festival on the continent has 3,000 performances, including the best theatre, hottest jazz, awesome dance, great music, lectures, comedy, film, performance art, exhibitions and much more. It's the place to be this winter. Book now at CompuTicket. Visit us online at www.nationalartsfestival.co.za. The National Arts Festival, 11 days of amazing, in partnership with SAFM. South Africa's news and information leader. The SABC is looking for a suitable person to fill the vacancy of governance manager. The incumbent will be charged with the responsibility of managing, driving the implementation of SABC supply management policies, government processes and procedures within the division. The candidate must have a bachelor's degree in commerce, preferably with a postgraduate business or legal degree, plus eight years' experience in supply chain management, risk management or legal. Preference will be given to candidates from designated groups in terms of the Employment Equity Act and the SABC's Employment Equity Initiatives. Kindly send your application, including a comprehensive CV, to the HR Manager, Group Services, Room 2644, Radio Park, or you can email groupvacancies at sabc.co.za. The Law Report with Tyron Key. You tune to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Karen Key, and this is the Law Report. My guest tonight is Marlon Chevalu. He's an attorney practicing here in Cape Town as Marlon Chevalu and Associates. And this evening we're discussing property law. If you have any questions or comments, you can call us on 0892 10 2010. We've got a few emails. We're going to get to those in a moment. But Marlon, I know you weren't with us last month, but you've certainly been busy since I last saw you. You've entered into a number of joint ventures of some really interesting things. Tell quickly what, what this is all about. Well, just very quickly, you know, you know, through doing presentations and through the radio public that we, we get involved in, I've discovered that there are various products out there that can make the life of a rental agent or a landlord or a tenant easier. And I felt that it's only fair to come along and endorse those products and get them out into the market. Not that they don't have already an established client base, but to bring it to the attention of our listeners and at our seminars, just to let people know that there are other alternatives out there. There's help out there. There is help. Um, some people might say, I need help. But, um, <laughs> but the, the bottom line, though, we'll is that... that later. <laughs> mm. Off air. Yes. Um, is that there are a, a couple of products which I have lent my name to, and I'm going to obviously send you those details and we will make it available. But just the, the, the three or four quickly that I'll mention is, the first one is, a company called Imfuna, it's I-M-F-U-N-A. It's actually an English product brought to South Africa, and they do Android or iPhone um, 
it's a tablet that allows you to do an incoming inspection where you just touch it and it records all the details that you need for your incoming inspection. Oh, wow. Which okay. is the most important aspect of any rental property and also to record the outgoing inspection. Any uh, landlord will know that they're not entitled to touch any of the deposit if there is no incoming and outgoing inspection. So that's an incredibly amazing product that uh, I'm happy to be involved with. Um, another product is an actually an insurance product called um, through the Rent Shield Company. And that's rentshield.co.za. Um, and what they do is they basically insure those defaulting tenants. So if a tenant rents a property and um, they don't pay on time, you've got this insurance product that will pay up to 50,000 in legal fees. Wow, that okay. will pay up to the eviction costs. So we'll, whatever the eviction costs may be, will pay for outstanding utilities and damages. But the most amazing thing is that with that product, the tenant does not need to pay a deposit when they take occupation. Oh, okay. It's worked into the actual price of the premium and the rental, so it's an, really a great product. The last two products um, are one which uh, um, is very close to my heart, which is RPMS Online. That's an entirely new rental management system that allows just the layman or a company with a hundred different uh, licensees to manage their property online um, by giving access to the tenant, to the landlord, to the rental agent on how to manage it, um, everything is automated and reminds you when you must do your inspection, your outgoing inspection, uh, collect the rental. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful product that, um, that was probably one of the first products I actually lent my name to. And then finally, we've got the, the lease pack, which has been running for about over mm, two years now. You've mentioned that, I think, before. That, yeah. And that mm. has now come back into the fore because with the Consumer Protection Act gaining momentum and compliance becoming so, so important and the inarguable fact now that the rental property industry is governed by the Consumer Protection Act. Compliant documentation has come to the forefront now that if you don't have compliant documentation, you're going to struggle in the court of law in many instances, and you're going to struggle in dealing with, with those tenants who feel they haven't received the proper service that they would legitimately be entitled to. So those are the four products. As I said, I will make um, those details available to you. There are a couple of Facebook pages, a couple of websites. But as I say, in, in 14 years of experience and in being involved in the rental property industry, I have yet to lend my name to any products until these have come along. And I'm very happy to, to see that there's something out there which is incredibly cost-effective and incredibly effective in, in helping well, out. Well, I've got uh, website addresses for three of them. There's just that RMPS online one. I don't have any contact. Com. Oh, is it rmpsonline.com? Correct. The whole thing? The whole thing. Okay. If you want those contact details, um, just drop me a mail to law at safm.co.za, but they will also be up on the Facebook page, Law on SAFM, a little bit later tonight once we finish the show. So if you're looking for all the contact details of those products. Um, we have our first call in on the line, so we'll take that and then we'll get to our emails in a moment. Florence in Durban, good evening. Good evening to you. Hello, how can how we help you? you? Fine, thank you. How are you? I'm fine. I've got a question. I don't know if you can help me. Does a gentleman know anything about <laughs> Sorry, laugh right. I know a little bit, yes. How can I help you, Florence? Can you tell me if it is legal that somebody who is running laugh rights um, reserves the right, the sole right to sell the property if somebody dies or if you want to move out? And... Uh, um, that they reserve the sole right and they don't put on the property on the market up to two years and you keep on having to pay your levy in the meantime. Uh, 
I can tell you, Florence, just off the cuff of it, that doesn't sound right. I mean, the, the, that doesn't sound right, Florence. I don't believe that anyone... Firstly, I mean, can, even if they put it in the contract, I'm sure it's bloody, sorry, my French, illegal. <laughs> you know, just because they, just, just to be very clear, just because something is, in, in, is written into a contract, and even if it's agreed to between you and the person who is the owner of the life rights, doesn't actually make it legal. Because no, there is no, there is legislation which which overturns any contract. So don't worry about that as much. But I do believe that if you are unable to, uh, you know, have enjoyment of of the property, or alternatively, if you are having to pay levies without the property being sold for a period of two years, I do believe you would certainly have rights to. To, to challenge that. But from a life rights perspective, it's very similar to fractional ownership, similar to share block schemes. It's, um, it's something that I do believe can be regulated by a contract, but you can't have terms in the contract, as I said. That are unreasonable. That would be unreasonable and unlawful and illegal. In fact, voidable, which means you could simply step over that and use the, the, the statutory legislation to help you. But surely they can't insist. No. But they have the sole right to sell the property, and then they sit on their hands and don't do anything about it, and laugh all the way to the bank while they collect the levies. No, that does not make sense to me at all. Uh, from a levy collection perspective, uh, um, that's actually quite concerning. But what I would suggest you do is to, if you want to pop an email off to me, let me have a look at the document that you signed. Um, I would like to see how that would also deal with with regard to the Consumer Protection Act. But there's a lot more to it than that. And life rights, unfortunately, are picking up a lot mm. more. A lot more with regard to old age homes, etc. A lot of developers are... Well, it is an old age home and they're ripping off old people. Florence, do you have access to email or a fax or something that you can send? I've got a fax. Look, I've got access to email, but I'm like a monkey trying to catch sparks. Okay. Because well, I'm an elderly lady. Okay, well, so Florence. I would prefer to use the fax. Okay, Florence, I'm going to put you back to my producer now, and um, he's going to give you the fax number, and then you can just drop me a fax, and we'll pass that on to Marlon. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Okay, Florence, Thanks, have a Florence. good evening. You too. Good night to you. Good night. Right, so let's just go to some of our email questions. The first one, pretty um, simple one. It says, the listener says, I need to be assisted. We intend to sell our property ourselves. Who can assist us with drawing up the deed of sale? We are in Cape Town. Okay, well, I mean, it would be a bit obvious to give them my phone number. But <laughs> the, the truth is that if they're going to uh, sell their property and privately, they need to get an, uh, an appropriate um, sale agreement or an offer to purchase. It's synonymous. But they would need that done. I don't suggest they approach an estate agent because the estate agent might say, that's a bit cheeky, selling it without um, us involved. And where's our commission? So I would suggest to them that they go to a law firm and use a conveyancer because invariably the conveyancing attorney would have to do the transfer irrespective of the fact that a property is sold privately only a conveyancing attorney or a conveyancer is able to effectuate the transfer of now, the, the property. the thing is that not every attorney is a conveyancing attorney. No. Okay, so how do we find a specific conveyancing attorney? The best thing to be, because it's Cape Town, I would contact the Law Society of the Cape of Good Hope. And that's in the phone book, I imagine. in the phone book. Um, under Law Society, I think I can even give their phone number if it's... Mm, absolutely. I think it's 21 424 
that's not the fun of my law firm. That's just no, it's the law society <laughs> of the Cape of Good Hope. But, okay. But they would be able to, to, to recommend, and there are a number of conveyancing attorneys. Uh, truth be told, is they're welcome to phone me, and I will also tell them there's, if you remember, we had a conveyancing attorney. Yes, what was it? Frank Holland, Frank I think Holland, his yes. name was. Yes. Frank is an associate of mine and um, an excellent conveyancer. So they would just need a proper sale agreement because whilst they might want to go privately and obviously save themselves commission or whatever the case might be, if it's not done correctly, when it comes to transfer, it could have t- tremendously bad consequences because you might find a potential purchaser who goes to their own attorney, for example, and makes suggestions and changes to the sale agreement. The one good thing about an estate agent would be there would be a checks and balances system and fidelity fund issues, so there would be far more protection, which might you know cancel itself out if you try to do it yourself and save a commission. There's a reason why they earn commission. They do the whole job for you. So just putting that out there. Right. So if you're wanting to find out um, about a conveyancing attorney in wherever you live, you can phone your local law society. There's one that covers most all provinces. There will be one somewhere. So get hold of the law society. In this case, the listeners in Cape Town. So it would be the law society of the Cape of Good Hope. If you'd like some recommendations from Marlon for a conveyancing attorney, just drop me a mail, law on SAFM, no, sorry, law at safm.co.za, law at safm.co.za, and I'll forward that email to him. Right, another very brief one from a listener. He says, please could you advise the date of the last Sectional Titles Act? Well, the Sectional Titles Act was brought about in 1986. There have been a couple of amendments, but it's 1986. So that's just that one. There's nothing since yes. then. No, in fact, what they need to do is if they go onto the internet and or they go to the Government Gazette, the publishers, every single... Um, Government Gazette, which has an addendum to it, will basically say, this is the Act, nothing has changed, but there's an addendum as of 2011 or 2012, but it will always be the Section of Title Act of 1986. Okay, great. So that was quite simple. Hmm. The last email we had is quite a long story, Marlon. Um, it's go, we bought our farm in Renosta Spret in 1997, and there was a query then already with about 300 cattle on our game farm. In 2007, we gave our neighbour, which was portion 62, they were portion 82, notice to remove the cattle, and um, they don't own the cattle, apparently. They also learned that he has a problem about this, not wanting them on his property, mostly because he only comes to South Africa once a year. The neighbouring farm was vacant at the time. The owner inherited the farm, and is residing in Germany and not on the property. So that's already an issue. Mm. Um, now, the, the listener who wrote in said, the cattle destroyed all our fences and we have to fix it every day. We appointed an attorney to get a court order to remove the animals without success. In 2010, the owner of the cattle moved away without paying the rent and to the owner of Portion 62. So this was whoever was renting the German, pers- the German residence land moved off and didn't pay the rent. The owner of Portion 7, I'm not quite sure where that is, started his own cattle and he now saw what the previous cattle owner did and he's now doing the same thing by letting his cattle roam on the vacant farms. So people are having cattle and letting them wander about all over the place. And then on Portion 56, there's a man who saw the vacuum. He is not the rightful owner of the farm, but he started his own cattle farm and now his cattle are roaming the whole area on both sides of our farm, says now the listener. So they seem to be totally inundated with cattle all over the place. They've been to the police four times to complain. They responded three times to give the owners of the cattle a warning. Apparently all the cattle, they, it dies down for about three weeks and then they just come back. The, our attorney, says the listeners, sent them letters and phoned them, but they still let the cattle roam, breaking fences and disturbing our animals. In June 2012, we appointed an advocate to apply for a court order at the High Court. We still, Till today, we've got no response. 
Um, it's the same problem since 2007. We've signed a petition with the landowners. The first petition was signed by nine landowners in December 2010 and the second one in November 2012 by 13 landowners. Still today, there is no action. We've paid over 60,000 rand to our attorney and advocate. We don't mind if they keep their cattle on their own farms, which is a 22-hectare farm. And then she gives some information about it should be one cow for every four hectares, not 85 cows and 55 sheep and goats. I mean, it seems like a rather over to what they're supposed to have. They want, we want to know what next steps we can take because everything we've done so far has not been working. What are our legal rights in this situation? Are they trespassing and what can be done to protect our property and animals? It sounds like an absolute nightmare. It does sound like a nightmare, but obviously it's, it's a difficult question to answer because there's a multitude of questions I would need to ask. I think the, what does jump out me, at me is that if there was a court order obtained through the High Court, yeah. um, that is pretty much it, so to speak. You would approach the High Court for what we would call a declarator or an interdict, which could be a negative interdict or a positive interdict. A negative interdict is, please don't do that, or a positive interdict, take steps in order to remove your cattle from my grounds. Now, if they got their court order, I don't understand what they say when they say, well, nothing further has happened. She if, says we've had no response. Well, if you have a court order obtained against a particular landowner because their cattle are roaming free, what would happen is if they don't honour that court order, you could revisit the court on that same order and ask for contempt of court proceedings. Now, those contempt of court proceedings would possibly entail either jail or alternatively a massive fine. So it's, it's very difficult because if there was an attorney and was an advocate on board for a high court proceeding and there's been no response, I think it's very open-ended. I'm just a little confused by the sentence because it says we, we appointed an advocate to apply for a court order. Today, till today, we've got no response. Now, from the, the advocate or from the high court? From the advocate for the high court or with know. regard to having served it, there's been no response to the court order. Yeah, which Be, shouldn't happen. Surely. No, it shouldn't happen. But I, I can tell you now that what they would do is their legal rights would be to ensure that that court order is carried out by the sheriff of the high court to ensure that those cattle are removed and forcibly, if need be. The costs of that would be for the owner's attention. In other words, that owner that has allowed the cattle to run freely would be liable to pick up the costs from the court order. Secondly, any damages to the fence would be quantifiable. And to the animals, apparently. And to the animals, absolutely. So it's a very open-ended email, unfortunately. The, the thing that I wanted to ask you about about this high court order, mm. um, you said that they need to get, the sheriff needs to go out and serve the order. Absolutely. Or is it, do, would they, from the advocate, have got a case number that they could possibly follow up themselves contact some, whoever the sheriff's office at the high court and say this case number what they surely now can take the initiative well, me, themselves and say what yeah. have you guys done about this well let me put you this way that the only way that it could possibly have got a court order would have been by way of bringing in high court application mm. which is on motion and a notice of motion is substantiated by an affidavit signed by the person who's bringing the application so not only would they know the case number they would have signed the affidavit that precipitated the launching of this entire application they would have had a copy of the affidavit in their hands with the case number, with everything. In fact, any attorney worth his salt usually provides a copy of the papers. So they could take that to the, or contact the sheriff of the high court My, and say... I would go to the high court first and ask the registrar of the high court okay. to please allow them to uplift the court file to determine what's in the court file. And if they have no success, they're then to contact the sheriff. Because every time a sheriff serves court process, he provides a return of service. That return of service indicates the date upon whom the, the document was served and that the nature and exigency has been explained to that person. So they should definitely have a, a case number to hand. And if they don't have a case number, which would be quite strange, 
contact the attorney and say what the is happening have you, going on. What have Absolutely. you done? Because I mean, they don't mention anything about having got anything back from the attorney no, or the advocate. Apparently. But as I say, I mean, I don't know we any don't other know facts. That, but see, yeah. it, it, the problem is, though, is that they've paid a fortune of money um, mm. for a high court application. That's pretty much standard, by the yeah. way. There's nothing excessive about that. But um, the point is that for sixty thousand rand, you want to have an order that is carried out to the fullest extent of the law. To have spent that amount of money and not to have had the cattle removed is, is a massive problem. And I can tell you now the police won't get involved because it's a civil matter. It's more like a rural matter or an urban matter. But the fact is that the police will not consider that to be trespassing. What they're going to do, arrest the cows. Uh, this person who doesn't reside in the country... It's his tenant who now seems to have absconded anyway. And the question is, why would we assume the tenant would have this duty to maintain the cows? What's his relationship to the owner? I don't believe No, I that think he probably rented, by all accounts, I think he rented the farm out to the guy with the cows. It started all the drama in the first place. It's just, it just so many questions that we need to ask um, to find out more detail. But as I say, if they're able to amplify upon that email and which area it's in, it's simply a question of maybe contacting an attorney in that particular jurisdiction. But in the Nostra spread. There should be one or two attorneys there at least. Well, they seem to have found an attorney and an advocate. So maybe if you can let us have a little bit more information as to what happened with those papers. Do you have a copy of the, the, the High Court order? Do you have a copy of the affidavit? Do you have any paperwork? Did the advocate or the attorney give you copies of which you say they should have received, copies of all that paperwork? Absolutely. There must be something. There okay. must be something with a case number. There has to be. Okay. So if you can just let us have a little bit more information, maybe we can follow this up a little bit better for you. But there's a lot, there are a lot of gaps in this, unfortunately, that we can't really go much further than that, I'm afraid. But, uh, you know, do let us know and we'll see what we can do from that. Right. Uh, Albert in Gauteng, good evening. Yeah, evening. How are you? Very well, thank you. Albert, how are you? No, fine, man. Uh, my question is, if you, you, you got a house in a, in, a, in a beautiful place and the house is beautiful and there's people interested in it and you get uh, somebody to rent it, stay there, rent it, pay you some money, is there some uh, obligation on my side to pay uh, salary, uh, the receive of revenue from the money that I'm generating there? Bearing in mind that I'm not a business, I'm just renting out my family house. In know? fact, Albert, the, the, the answer is a definite yes. Any income that you earn is part of your, <laughs> any rental that you earn is part of your income and must be declared to the fiscus, the receiver of revenue. In fact, it's, it's quite amazing that in terms of the Consumer Protection Act, it's that issue of earning a rental income, even if you're not a business or a businessman or a landowner per se, or have a lot of land that you own, and you may be a doctor or unfortunately an attorney, but if you own a piece of land and you earn rental, that must be declared to the receiver of revenue, and that is deemed to be leasing out a property or renting out a property in the ordinary course of your business. So I'll but a short answer, yes. In fact, do that as soon as you can because it's money that needs to go to the receiver so they can provide services to everyone in the country. But can I just ask you now, but, but you can, uh, there are, is a way of offsetting some of that income by keeping all your receipts for maintenance and Absolutely. if you have to pay any bills relating to that property, all that can be offset against. No, that's tax yeah. advantageous. But, but just uh, keep all those receipts and everything as well, Albert, because those things you can actually you must declare it, on declare your, on it your, as well, correct. anything that you've spent on the property. Okay, okay. Sorry for the okay. bad news. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> rather hear it from us, Albert. Yeah, rather us than have it SARS knocking on your door. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're the, oh, yeah, we're the oh, safer yeah. option. Thanks for getting through, Albert. Good luck. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Good Bye. night. Bye-bye. Belinda in Constantia, you from Sada, and you're having a land problem out there. 
Good yes, evening. Good evening, Karen. Yes, we are. How um, can we help? The Sada Constantia branch um, has been on the land since the 1980s. It's government land, um, and we heard on the 7th of March that it's been awarded in a restitution of a land claim as the chosen alternate land. Belinda? The opinion we were given is that it's a huge overcompensation mm. for the claim, um, but we want to know if we have any recourse. Belinda? Yes. I think I know who you are. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, I, I, unfortunately, I can't answer because I'm conflicted. Okay. <laughs> what I can say is that you must do what you have to do. Mm. Um, whatever opinion you've got, obviously, you know, do as I say, follow that opinion if you believe the opinion is correct. But um, usually, I don't normally refuse to give an answer. But in this instance, I'm actually it's a conflict of interest. Yeah, yeah it's actually okay. a conflict of interest for me. But um, I, I wish you the best of luck, Belinda. Thank you very much. Look, I understand that. Obviously, I mean, legal opinion is one thing, but yes. as an NGO and a PBA, we can't afford a, a, a huge legal bill. Of course, and I've been following it very closely, of mm. course, because um, um, it's been in the Tatler and uh, mm. and I've been following it. And uh, all, all I can say to you is that I, I think what you're doing is amazing. Uh, for the Thank handicapped you. children, so... Thank you. And it would be, it'd be so sad to have to displace the 220 disabled adults and children. Uh, of course, and it's, it's, it is a recent, it is a recent um, redistribution that's been going on for years. Mm. But um, all I can say is I wish you the best of luck. Oh, I'm so sorry we couldn't take that any further. But if, for those who don't know what SADA is, it's the South African Riding for the Disabled Association who do amazing work with uh, children and adults with uh, intellectual disabilities and physical disabilities as well. So yes. you do amazing work there, Belinda. And I'm, I'm really sorry that we, uh, we couldn't... Uh, carry that on but I didn't realize Marlon was that was a conflict of interest for him so I do apologize for that no problem at all thank okay, you very good luck much. to you thank you Belinda okay, take care. Thanks, good night bye. bye Belinda okay right we've had a call from Charles at the Cape Law Society who's given us the correct number it's oh, apparently apologies. in the okay. current telephone directory it's 021 for those of you listening 021 4436700 Actually nice to know that you're listening Charles thanks very much for calling in and, and correcting us on that number Taboho in Pretoria good evening Good evening how are you I'm very well how are you I'm okay too How can we help you Taboho Okay I had a home loan I took it from the bank in 1996 and then in 2009, when I leave my employer, then I paid it off. Then in 2011, I had a financial problem. And then I was invited by the bank to come to make a re-advance from the, from the bond. I went to the bank and applied for that. So what I did, I just signed the documents and the money was transferred to my account. Now my question is this. Is it possible for the bank to give you money even if you are not working? That, no, I can, I can tell you now with, with the National Credit Act having come in, uh, there's a whole thing about reckless and negligent lending and banks need to do a thorough, thorough credit check. Obviously, what you did is you either took out a second bond or you used the property that was now unencumbered, unbonded as, as security to get a loan. And uh, from my experience, um, what I can tell you is that banks don't just loan money against a property. They don't allow to just do that. They've got to do a thorough check as to the ability 
to repay that loan. And if they don't do that thorough, thorough search and a thorough investigation, they could be mm. found guilty uh, in terms of the national credit regulator. So I have no doubt that the document you signed was something that uh, confirmed that everything was fine and that you are able to repay it. That's something that the bank would have got you to sign, presumably. But I can tell you, though, that banks ordinarily are not allowed to lend without the strict criteria. In fact, the National Credit Act has saved this country because we would have been in a, in a very similar position to America and the subprime, where there was not enough money in the banks to cover or to, to match up to the value of the properties in America. So I really would be curious. I'd love to see the document you signed. Do you have a copy, Tabojo? Yes, I do. I really would like to see the document that was signed. What has actually happened now, Tabojo? Are they now looking for the money to be repaid and you can't afford to repay it? Is that what the problem is now? Yeah, I'm struggling to pay. At some stage, they sent, like, I don't know, they, these people are not working for the bank because I normally make arrangements with the bank that I'm struggling to to pay you back. Now, these guys come to my house. They wanted to shoot my house. They wanted to see, they, they wanted to value the house. And then when I asked them, who sent you to my house? They said, no, we are working for NetBank. I said, no, not you are not working for that bank because I made arrangement with them why you wanted to take my house because at the beginning I managed to pay my house. I paid it off. So I didn't know that by them not to secure my house, why did they advise me that I can take money out of that so that mm. they know that they've got some other people who can easily take my house. Now, that's my question. That is why I was asking, was it thoroughly the way national credit is working, where they didn't check, they uh, didn't want my salary advice, stuff like that. Taboho, can you email us a, co a copy of that, of that document that you signed? Yes, I can. Okay, do you send it? Because then I'll send it to Marlon and he can have a look. Let me give you the email address. It's law at safm.co.za. Okay, I'll do this. Send it here and I'll forward it on to Marlon. Sorry, Marlon, you wanted to say something? No, I'm just saying because obviously the people that have come, the bank has attorneys at their point, And when it comes to valuing the house, what they obviously want to do is they want to sell that property in execution to recover the amounts that are owing to them. So we need to get ahead of this now? Yes. So it's Tabojo, okay. if you can send us that thing as soon as possible. Okay, I'll do that tomorrow. Okay, and then Marlon will have a look at it for you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure Tabofo. to both. Good night. Bye. Bye-bye. Horrible. It's all, but I mean, I thought, no, they were still allowed to do that. I mean, they're obviously not allowed to do it, but they're obviously still doing it. Yeah, but obviously we, we need to see the facts. And, uh, yeah. you know, <clears throat> what could have happened is there could have been a huge loan and, you know, maybe they considered the property to have enough equity. Well, if it's an unbonded property, there's huge equity. The problem is that if you've got a property with... It doesn't mean to say you can pay for it if you're no, not working. No, absolutely. I, I mean, mean, you're sitting on a million rand house, but you're not working. You can't pay off a million rand loan on something else. You absolutely. Know? And they'll tell it in They'll sell it for whatever amount is outstanding. Yeah. And because of the suretyship that you usually sign, when you take it alone, they'll come after you in your personal capacity. So okay. it's 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 very awkward. I'd like to see that document. Well, hopefully she'll see just sending it us tomorrow. So. You tune to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Karen Key, and this is The Law Report. My guest tonight is Marlon Chevalu. He's an attorney practicing here in Cape Town as Marlon Chevalu and Associates. And this evening we're discussing property law. If you have any questions, you can call us on 0892 10 2010 0892 10 
2010. Before we go to our next call in Durban, um, Marlon, you said you had a, something that the listeners might be quite interested in receiving. What was that? Well, um, a while ago I did a, a presentation on, on one of the seminars that um, I did a, a roadshow on, and it was a presentation on the role of the agent to the landlord and the tenant. So when tenants enter into lease agreements, they invariably there's an agent who would have prepared a lease agreement or contacted them or even if there's not an agent involved there's a landlord involved and landlords have a relationship with agents and tenants have a relationship with agents and tenants have a relationship with landlords of course and um, I'm more than happy to make this presentation available to uh, SAFM and um, to see if the law report can't make that available to our listeners. Right, no, absolutely. So if you're wanting a copy, it's a presentation on the role of the agent to both the landlord and the tenant. And uh, from some of the stories we've heard on this program, it seems to be a, a minefield when it comes to landlords and tenants and agents. And So if you want to just have a, a, a look at this, it's the, a ro- the role of the agent to both the landlord and the tenant, drop me a line on law at safm.co.za and I will send it off to you. I'll send it as an attachment on an email or you can you know, post something on Facebook. But if you do that on Facebook, please do include your email address so I can send it to you because I can't actually send it to you via the Facebook page. So it's law at safm.co.za or load the request onto the Facebook page, but do include your email address. Right, off to Durban. Karim, good evening. Good evening, uh, Karim and uh, the Legal Eagle Regina. The Legal Eagle. Hi, how can we help you, Karim? <laughs> Well, yes, I, 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 I am a chairperson of a body conflict, yes, mm. in And um, unfortunately, I inherited the wrong uh, chairmanship here. The people here are not paying the, the levies. Yes. If so they're not paying the levies, and I'm going to there are 12 of us here. There's only three of us who are paying our levies, and the other nine are not paying. Now, we have no money in the bank as to get an attorney. I was wondering if you, Mr. Shevelu, can help me uh, to obtain a, um, um, what do you call this, a lawyer who can help you for free? Uh, pro bono. We, pro um, bono, yes. Karim, if you can help me uh, with a number for a pro bono, and then we can get the money out of here, and perhaps the, 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 the attorney can get the money the, from these people here. Well, they have to pay back, uh, as the, the law says, states that they have to pay for the attorney. Karim, what I can tell you is, um, if I give any attorney's name as a pro bono, uh, yeah. I, I might get some hate mail. What I can tell you, though, is that I will be able to give you the name of an attorney who might be able to, to make a plan with you. And the reason why I say that is is, is for, for good reason. Levy collection... It's, it's one of the few areas of law that if it's collected, if a levy is collected from a defaulting property owner, the costs that an attorney can earn from that is much higher than pretty much rental property law because the Sectional Title Act allows an attorney to recover pretty much every single cost that he has spent. And yeah. so it's actually, it's, it's, an, it's not saying it's a lucrative area of law, but levy, levy defaulters are very much frowned upon upon the court. If a person doesn't pay their rental, that's one thing. It's the property unit that is compromised. But if a levy, uh, uh, a levy defaulter just chooses to be apathetic and not get involved, the entire body corporate complex is compromised. Uh, yes. There might be an inability to pay the insurance, and therefore the yes. insurance company might repudiate it if there's a fire, etc., etc. Yes. So what I can tell you is that if there are levy defaulters, I have no doubt that there would be an attorney 
and I will send you a name because I do have an associate in, in, in Durban that I do use, who mm. will be able to say he'll take do 10 letters of demand, maybe for a, a very nominal fee because letters of demand are pretty cheap, and okay. maybe agree to you that he will recover his fees from the actual collection of the levy. The yes. nice thing about it is that if it ever comes to the point where the levy defaulter doesn't pay and the actual property has to be attached, it's what yes. we call a, a Section 66 application, if yes. that property ever gets sold, yes. the lovely thing is that your levies get paid first. So yes. a levy clearance certificate has to be given for the property to be sold, to be transferred. So yes. I'm saying it might take a bit of time. The yes. other option, um, which I can also give to you, is that you may be able to approach one or two companies who will take over the debt for you and collect it for you. What they mm. will do is they'll step into the shoes of the body corporate, they will fund the outstanding levies, and they will appoint their own attorney. So you will get your levies covered. Um, mm. Alternatively, there are other options like raising a special levy to cover those levies that are outstanding. But in this instance, the best thing I can do is give you the name of somebody in Durban who will be able to, to tell you the best way of handling it and, and um, see if they can't make some financial arrangement that um, can keep the, the, the body corporate liquid because uh, if levies are outstanding… Out of 12 is ridiculous. No, it's, it's actually a farce and um, I'd like to know why the trustees haven't passed resolutions to… Is, is the no, issue of not having money for the attorneys? We don't have a managing agent. No, I'm not saying a managing agent is, is immaterial. The question is there, there must be trustees. How many trustees are, are there of the complex? Uh, unfortunately, there are only two left. One used to be here, uh, he sold a flat, he's gone, and there was nobody else to take over. Okay. Well, I, well, I just think the first thing you must do is you must ask this attorney to confirm whether or not you actually have a quorum because you need a certain amount of people in order to pass a resolution. But anyway, I'm not going to take up too much time. All I'm going to say to you is uh, I uh, won't well, get no, the Everybody is in agreement that we should get this leave paid out. Well, I can tell mm. you now that let me scare you a little bit. I need a little yes. bit. By doing nothing, you are breaching your fiduciary duties. Yes. You have a duty to, to get that uh, that money in. Exactly. So I will get you, I'll get Karen the name well, of the Well, so Karim, do you have an email address? Mm. No, 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 no. I have a, I have a cell phone only, that's all. Okay. Well, we've got your number, Karim. Um, I will get the information from Marlon and I will call you in the next day or so with that information. Oh, well, sorry. Well, why don't you take my cell number and uh, we've got, uh, did, SMS? We've got your... Did you leave your cell number with us? We've got your cell number. Oh, no, we don't. I'm going to put no, you, you back. Don't. I'm going to put you back to my producer, Karim, and yeah. he's going to take your cell phone number and then I'll call you on that in the next few days. So just oh, keep, hold, hold the line and he'll... God speak bless to you, now. you and thank you well, very much. Good luck Pleasure. to you, Karim. It good sounds luck, Karim. Uh, we need to help you out with this one. So just keep holding on. Don't hang up the phone. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. All right. Good night. Bye. Right. Uh, off to Lichtenberg. David, good evening. My, my question is, I've sold my farm to somebody for 1.4 million rands. He paid me a one. 140,000 deposit. Mm. The balance he's going to pay later. But in the interim, the government has come in with a land claim and they are taking the farm for 960,000. I've shown them the deed of sale. They're not interested. They say, if you don't give it to us for that price, we're going to expropriate. What does one do? Wow, that's that's a really what happened really. What happens to willing buyer, willing seller, willing buyer? They're right? trying to scrap that. They've been oh, trying to, sorry, okay, <laughs> I'm a bit behind the time. Can I hear this on the radio? Yes, you can, David. Thank you. All right, we'll give you a second to go and switch the radio on. All right. All right. Good night to you.
That, that sounds like a nightmare. Uh, it sounds like Zimbabwe. Especially since he sold it now and he's, the guy's already paid him the deposit. What do you do? I mean, the logic is is that the government, in, in certain instances, and it's, there is an expropriation act, there is legislation. Um, invariably, it's reserved for farms, agricultural land, and it's depending on, firstly, on availability, and secondly, there is some form of compensation. I'm just curious as to whether or not that is a rate that's been determined by by the city council or if it's a municipal rate. But the bottom line is that he's got an actual deed of sale. So the question that remains is if he lets it go for that price, there's going to be a differential, which is a measure of damages that he has suffered because he sold it for 1.4, he's got 140,000 rand deposit and he's losing out 500,000 rand. I don't think he can seek the 500,000 rand from the purchaser. No. Um, the purchaser is going to have a claim as well. Because the purchaser is not going to get the farm. The purchaser, in fact, would the purchaser not have a right to reclaim that 140,000 rand deposit? Because well, I would think so. I the mean, suspensive condition was that he would pay the balance, presumably on transfer. Yeah. So um, you, you would have to lodge a claim, but I think it's a difficult, difficult situation. The only suggestion I could possibly make would be to speak to a conveyancer that specialises in that particular area of law. Which is very, very specialised. It's very mm. particular, um, and I think from an expropriation perspective, there have to be certain elements that are complied with before expropriation can take place. So I, I do think that wherever the property is, a conveyancer who has dealings in that particular area, um, I, I don't know how successful um, he, he may be. Um, I do think that uh, you're up against the government. On the other hand, there would need to be certain grounds upon which expropriation can take place. Um, sometimes it's without compensation. In this instance, the compensation is far less than the actual price. Um, so it's 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 a massive problem because yeah, if it gets taken for that price, he's got damages which may be irrecoverable. Who does he then sue? The Minister of Land Affairs? Um, and I, I think there would be exceptions to suing the government when there's official expropriation um, and it can be justified. So it's a horrific situation. So the best thing, get hold of the Law Society in his area to find a, a, an attorney that specialises in that particular area of the law. Absolutely, and I'm, I'm glad they've got the new number. I haven't felt the need to call them. Oh, that's and they Cape, haven't felt the need Cape, to, to yeah. call me. So that's the Cape one. But there is obviously the Law Society of South Africa, yes. which has a, all the numbers for all the law provinces. So, um, Good luck with but that. It, it's, it's a tough yeah. one. It's a tough one. I don't hold it much hope, but um, it would be nice to find out the facts and the reasons for the expropriation. Mm. Yeah, well, good luck with that one, David. Horrible. Right, off to Durban. Jean, good evening. Good evening. Thank you for taking my call. My niece purchased a flat. A managing agent got a tenant on her behalf, took a two-month income, one as the rent mm -hmm. and a month as a deposit. From that, from that point, the tenant then defaulted. In the second month, the managing agent paid the deposit to my niece as the bond repayment, but didn't tell her that the, the tenant had defaulted. Four months later, the tenant still has not paid another cent, and my, the managing agent now says it's, their, it's the, my niece's problem, it's no longer her problem because the tenant has defaulted, and she is now left in this situation. She then, my niece, sent a seven-day eviction notice which the tenant totally ignored, and she has now given the tenant a month's um, uh, notice for the tenant to be out at the end of this month. Um, but we very much doubt that that's going to happen. Where to from now, please? And is there any action we can take against the managing agent? 
Okay, Jean, there, there are a couple of questions that you brought up here, and this is this is what I do. I, I, this is this is my baby, rental law, and what you've raised here is is something that I see five six times a day. Firstly, that deposit is to be kept, and presumably in this instance, it was kept by the managing agent in an interest-bearing account for the benefit of the tenant. No, of the. Of the uh, no, of the tenant. Oh, of the tenant. Of the okay. tenant. So the, oh, tenant, right, yes. the tenant's deposit. And that deposit cannot simply be used. In fact, it, it can be used if Eugene or your niece agrees to have that deposit used to set off outstanding rental. But that is the security for the property to be returned to the way it was at the end of the lease, uh, except for fair wear and tear. So firstly, the managing agent would have no right to use that deposit to set off rental. It's a fatal mistake. Secondly, the managing agent would not be able to do that unless they had your consent, which they obviously did not. So we have a situation now where there is re rental outstanding and there's no deposit. And I can tell you now that if the tenant isn't paying the rent, the tenant isn't looking after the property. So there's going to be a possible depreciation in the value of the property, not to mention outstanding rental and an inability to pay the bond. The bottom line is that you've got tremendous action against the, the managing agent because Section 54 of the Consumer Protection Act entitles any landlord, any landlady, to receive specific services and be entitled to receive services from the rental agent, the managing agent, the estate agent. So you would have rights there, and I'm happy to, to guide you on that. With regard to action, I'm curious about the seven days, because in terms of the Consumer Protection Act, any tenant would be a, entitled to receive a 20-business-day notice informing them that they must remedy their breach. If they don't pay the rental, then in that instance, you are allowed to cancel the lease. Only once you've canceled the lease and given them a notice to leave, and they don't leave, can you then formally evict them. So I would need to see the lease agreement, number one. I would need to see the letter that was sent. And if there's been no response to that letter, my best advice to you in a longabout way is to bring an application to evict. Uh, as I said, we do 40 evictions a month. So just that, She said they've given the, the, the tenant a month now. After the seven days, they've now given the month. But that month the is, end of this month, yeah. But that month yeah. is, 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 all that month does is it's given, if they don't leave at the end of that month, you're going to have to launch eviction process. So if you've given them another month, we can't launch now, of course. But what you can do is there's nothing preventing you from issuing a summons for the rental outstanding. And there's nothing preventing you from wrapping the managing agent over the knuckles for putting in this position because that managing agent has a fiduciary duty to manage the property. They manage the property and they earn their 10% commission monthly by deducting it from the rental they collect. Let me just ask you one question, Jean. Did this managing agent procure the tenant and earn a procurement fee or are they being paid a management fee every month? No, I understood they procured the tenant. Okay, so they procured. And therefore got, a, I presume, a, a, possibly not a, um, not an, as an extra charge, but because they were going to manage the property, they procured the tenant and then went on as managing agent. It's important to know that because if they just procured the tenant, they put the landlady or they put your niece and the tenant together, they would have taken maybe 8% upfront and extricated themselves. So their mandate would have ended. In the event that the tenant then breached, it would become your issue to resolve it. But the fact that they used your deposit um, to defray the outstanding rental and then did not disclose to you that the tenant had defaulted is, is really uh, is something that's worthy of reporting to the Estate Agency Affairs Board. So reporting it to the Estate Agency Affairs Board, you can do. Uh, reporting it to the Rental Housing Tribunal, that you can do, but that's not going to bring your money at this juncture. You have now got to get your money from the tenant, and you've got to go and evict this tenant upon expiration of that extra time you gave them. Any costs that you spend to get those results will, in my opinion, be costs that you can claim from that rental agent or that managing agent. What is, oh, there used to be a thing called the Fidelity Fund. Is that still something? And, and would that come into play here at Certainly all? would come into play. In fact, the Settings Affairs Board will cover 
any amounts that have been misappropriated. So would that, would that deposit then fall into that? It would fall into that, but the Australian Affairs Board would want um, Jean and her niece to go after the rental agent first before going to the Australian Affairs Board. They say you must, what we call, excuse. You must do everything in your power to get the money from the rental agent. And if that is not successful, you then have to go after, uh, go to the Australian Affairs Board. Um, so there is a bit of a process to go, but your main thing right now is to get your rental and to get res restoration of the property in a good condition, and any costs that you have to spend to fix that property up, keep, keep a tally of that, because the logic is there should have been a deposit in place, and the rental agent should have certainly kept you apprised of everything. So it's, it's a really tough situation, but nothing I haven't seen. So could you claim back the deposit from the rental agent plus the damages if there are any to the, to the flat? Possibly, but don't forget the, 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 the deposit belongs to the tenant. Yes. And in this instance, the managing agent has used the deposit to settle the rental. So possibly can claim it from the rental agent, yes. Uh, in fact, the tenant could potentially claim it from the rental agent as well. But it's, it's, it's a bit of an it's a, it's a unfortunate situation. The only advice right now is you've got to prioritize what your goals are. Number one, you want to get the property back. Wait until that month expires. Number two, if they owe rental and they haven't paid, you can issue your summons right now. Once you've got the property back and you've got your money back, you work out what your costs are. And then you need to say to yourself, would I have incurred those costs but for the actions of the rental agent? And if you wouldn't have incurred those costs, if you had been told immediately, listen, Gene, I'm sorry, I hate to tell you, but the, rental, uh, the, the tenant has breached, you would have taken proactive action. You would have said, well, let's chase them up. You would have saved yourself. Four months ago. Four months ago. So that, in my opinion, is, is damages that you would not have experienced had the rental agent been truthful with you. So certainly a claim against the rental agent in terms of the CPA, in terms of the Rental Housing Act, in terms of the ethical codes to the Estate Agency Affairs Act. You can go mad. Pick your right. forum. All that was fairly quick. May I get <laughs> an, an address from you so I can just, if necessary, refer back to you? I'm going I'm to go, go better than that. That presentation oh. is the role of the agent to the landlord and the tenant. Right, the it thing that Marlon's been offering this evening, that's, it's a, an email that you can send, drop me a line, I'll send it off to everybody who wants one. It's the presentation on the role of the agent to both the landlord and the tenant. So drop me an email to law at safm. .co.za. I will send you a copy of that. Um, Jean, if you want to drop me a line also to the same ad address, law at safm.co.za, I will forward that on to Marlon and he can um, write it slower than what we told it to you now. So <laughs> just, okay, just don't disclose so the name of the managing agent because I okay. may just represent that. Yeah, don't, don't disclose the name of the managing agent. <laughs> in that. Or if you do, Jean, I'll, have it, I'll see it first and I'll just kind of delete that part. Fine. Fine. Okay, so drop Good. me a mail and uh, we'll see what Marlon can do about that. Thanks very and much. Good luck Thank to you. you. Thanks. Thank you. Good Thanks, night Jean. to you. We're getting close to the end of the show. Poloko in Leidenburg, if you can be relatively brief, we'll take your call. Hi, how are you? Very well, thanks, and you? Yes, I've been listening to the discussion. I'm not too sure if my question will be relevant. Okay, well, let's uh, try. Uh, yes, I got attracted to the discussion because you guys were discussing properties and laws. Yes. Um, the problem I'm sitting with is that um, I think five years ago, Oh, let me say a while ago, I had about seven properties, and then with the credit crunch, I ended up with a serious problem, losing some of the properties. Some of some I just sold just to get them off my list. And the problem I'm sitting with is that one of my two properties were sold on the uh, same execution, and uh, then I was sitting with a shortfall of 214, 420 thousand respectively. But all of this was offered by the same bank. Now, I want to understand 
what the credit, how the credit act can help me to overcome this trauma. Or in any case, I use the credit act to get off. Or I mean, the lawyers wanted to to sell all my properties so they can settle off. I use um, the credit act to I, I don't know what I quoted, but they managed to they managed to have an agreement that I'm paying a certain amount for this one and a certain amount for that one. But now my problem is that the same bank offered me about four loans. And now I'm paying them monthly for something that I'm not having. How can the Credit Act help me? Well, the, the only time that the Credit Act can help you is if you believe that in terms of the National Credit Act, or you, you have received loans when there was not a proper investigation conducted to determine your ability to repay those loans. So mm. I don't know when you took out these loans. How long ago did you take them out? Uh, the loans were in 2000 and. 2007. Hmm. I think we may have a problem there because, if I recall correctly, the National Credit Act came in, in 2000 and was it 2007? Was it 2007? Uh, all I can say is that it's it's one thing saying, well, let's rely on the National Credit Act, but you've got to be careful because you know the National Credit Act is there to to regulate credit agreements and to dictate how much interest can be charged, and it's, it's a very long act. It's much longer than the Consumer Protection Act. But mm. if you have entered into an agreement and if the bank can show that at the time they gave you the loan, because don't forget banks were giving out loans left, right and center. I mean, this is what mm. they did to not turn around several years later and say, well, you know, had I known or had the bank done an investigation, just I'm just saying it's not a clear cut picture. So offhand, I can't see anything how the act could help you. Um, retrospectively, because the Act does not apply retrospectively, just like the Consumer Protection Act doesn't apply mm. re retrospectively. But uh, mm. I do think that if you have come to an arrangement to pay them off, if you believe the bank has acted incorrectly or the bank has not been genuine or the bank has been clandestine in the way they've conducted themselves and giving you a loan and then adding a huge interest on and forcing you to pay back an amount which exceeds the value of the property, etc., etc. If you honestly believe there's an argument there, there's, there's an ombudsman you can approach. Um, I just think, though, that the potential claim against the bank would have either prescribed, because you would have yeah. had three years from the date the loan or the agreement was made to, to contest it. Um, mm. I'm just saying what the facts are out now. If you were loaned this amount, if you were given four loans last year, for example, I would love to have known the criteria that the bank used to grant you those loans, unless you yeah, earn yeah. three, four hundred thousand a month. So obviously, a lot more facts I would need to know. Um, unfortunately, the sales and execution is quite horrible because it sells for next to nothing, um, and it's a fire sale, so to speak. But I do think that to use the National Credit Act. Uh, in this instance, might not be as useful to you unless you can sh show that the banks have acted completely incorrectly. And I can tell you now, in the newspaper today, there was a property, a p person purchased a property for a million rand. It was the wrong property. It went the whole way through transfer. And it turns yeah. out that the bank uh, had incorrectly or failed to disclose a correct description of the property. They bought the wrong property for a million rand. And the bank is defending yeah. the high court proceedings. So I think you've got a bit, of a, a bit of a job on your hands. I'm happy to give you a bit of advice. If you just pop an email off to Corin, yeah, who... Um, if you drop me a line on law at safm.co.za, Poloco, I will forward your... If you want to put that down in writing, Marlon will take a look at it. Yes. Okay, uh, I have to... I'm another, unfortunately, I have to... email address where I can drop yes. my... Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, law at safm.co.za. 
I'll, I'll do that exactly tomorrow That's morning. That's Thanks, Thanks Maloko. Thanks. Good night to you. And apologies okay. to Dan in Mpumalanga and Jeremy in Parktown. Unfortunately, we haven't got time to get to you. We've got literally a minute left. Marlon, thank you very much once again for joining me on the show. Wonderful to be here. Thanks so much for, for giving me the, the opportunity to sell my wares. And uh, to those who've been listening, and it's nice to see that we've got some yes. authoritative oh, people listening. Absolutely. What a pleasure. Absolutely. And just a reminder, if you're wanting a copy of the presentation on the role of the agent to both the landlord and the tenant, drop me a mail, law at safm.co.za. And also, if you want a list of all those new products that uh, Marlon was telling us about, those new products relating to property, you can the same email address, law at safm.co.za. I'll drop you a list of those. And as I said, my thanks once again to Marlon Chevalu. He's an attorney practicing here in Cape Town as Marlon Chevalu and Associates. And he's been my guest on tonight's edition of the Law Report program. And Marlon will be back with us again for more property law on Monday, the 24th of June. The Law Report is on the air on SAFM every Monday evening between 9 and 10. And in the program next week, we'll be discussing labor law with Michael Bagram. That's the Law Report next Monday, the 3rd of June.